What is going on, my beautiful people? Naz Perez here. Bet you didn't think we'd have a bonus podcast this week, but we do. And also, guess what? Ashley and Lauren are here, so I am so sorry if they are your favorite. You're stuck with me now. Actually, you're not stuck with me. Technically, this is a bonus podcast. You can just shut this off if you don't want to hear me. But um, basically, hi, I'm Naz. You guys know who I am. And um, I decided to record this podcast solo because a lot of you have been asking in the Facebook group and a lot of you guys slide in my DMs, basically asking me about my life, about being a producer, about being a TV host. So I figured I'd sit down and just tell you guys what I think. But also, like, isn't it just so weird that I'm in my room talking into a microphone by myself, but so many people are going to hear this, and I haven't even met, like, 90% of you, which is so... Isn't that so weird? I swear to God, I'm not higher drunk. It's just so... Technology is so mind-boggling. It's so cool. I wish I could meet all you guys. I really do. Anyways, um, so if you don't know too much about me, aside from the fact that I host the I Don't Get a Podcast with Ashley and Lauren, I am also a host on Clever News, which is a YouTube channel. Basically, it's like an entertainment news source, like an E! News or an ET, but for teeny boppers on YouTube. I love hosting on Clever. So if you love me, check me out on Clever. Um, <laughs> that was so annoying. I don't know why I just said that. Um so yeah, so I'm on Clever, and then I'm also the in-stadium host at Dodger Stadium, which basically means we host like a 30-minute pregame before the game. I also like play some games with fans, so if you're ever at Dodger Stadium, slide in my DM. I'd love to meet you there and um, meet you. Anyways, aside from the Dodgers, the amazing Dodgers, I also host and freelance for Fandango, so I do movie junkets for them, and I'll get to interview cast of different movies. And I also started a support group called Heartbroken Anonymous, which I'm also sure you guys have heard of before. And on top of that, I used to work for The Bachelor. So let's get all into how I got to do all those things and where I am today. But before I kind of start my story, I want to, and this is what I say when I go speak at colleges and universities, is I want to preface this with the fact that um, Marissa Mayer has this quote. She was the former CEO of Yahoo and just a badass female. And I don't know what the exact quote is, but she basically says, I always did something I wasn't fully ready to do. And I think those uncomfortable moments where you do something that you're not really ready to do, those are the aha moments. And those are the moments where you grow the most. And I want you guys to keep that in mind as I kind of just share my journey with you because I think it's really important to be uncomfortable and put yourself in really risky situations no matter how scary it is. I also want to remind you guys that my journey isn't your journey. So just because I remember when I was in college and maybe a lot of you guys are in college listening to this now, but I remember I would like Google or Wikipedia people that were doing what I wanted to do. I remember I Wikipedia at Olivia Munn and I was like, how did she get to do what she was doing? And I, in my head, I was like, oh, this is easy. Like I'll just do everything she did and then I'll be her. But then you slowly find out that that's basically not how life works. So just because I got to where I am. And also, let me just say, I don't think I'm like successful or like anywhere near where I would like to be. Um, I'm just sharing my story because I, I feel like a lot of people ask me this, but I do want to say that because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like it's a little narcissistic for me to be like, uh, this is where, this is how I got to where I want to be. And it certainly doesn't mean that I feel like I'm an expert on things and that you guys should listen to what I'm saying, if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm making any sense. This is so weird. I'm in my room talking by myself. <laughs> 
So, okay. So do something that you're not really comfortable doing. Remember that my journey is not going to be yours. And also, my if there's any quote that I can give you that I am telling you, it's basically, fuck it. Like, just fucking risk it all. You have nothing to lose. You only live once. No matter how healthy you eat, no matter how much you exercise, no matter if you fall in love or not, if you go for the job you want or not, we're all going to die. So you might as well just kind of do what you want to do and fuck what everyone says. Um, so I went to college in... Florida, in Orlando, Florida, UCF, University of Central Florida. And I wanted to basically be the next Doris Burke. And Doris Burke is a female sideline reporter for ESPN. She's also a color analyst because she played basketball. And I just remember seeing her on TV and I love the NBA and basketball, if you guys didn't know that about me. And I was like, I really want to be the next Doris Burke. Like I want to be a credible reporter in the NBA and cover sports. I think that would be so awesome. So all of college, I started interning basically anywhere I could. And I highly, highly recommend interning multiple places during college because that's where you'll meet so many people that'll teach you the skills that you really need to know that you won't learn in a classroom. So I interned for Fox Sports Florida. I did some stuff for ESPN. I did some stuff for the Tennis Channel. And basically, I ended up meeting people at NBA Entertainment because the All-Star Game was in Orlando. And that's where I went to college. And I ended up working the NBA All-Star Game for them and getting in with people at the NBA. And I was like, whoa, maybe I could just like move to Secaucus, New Jersey and work for NBA Entertainment after college. Like this is where I'll put all my eggs. So that's basically almost what happened. So getting in with NBA Entertainment led me to working the finals that year in 2012. And this was like a couple months before I was graduating, you guys. And I was next to LeBron James when he got his first ring ever. Um, He was playing for the Miami Heat. It was Miami OKC. And they asked me to leave the locker room because I was a girl. And duh, like, of course, that makes sense. But I had this weird moment internally where I was like, damn, I don't know if I want to work in sports. And it was this weird thing where I had worked so hard. I had interned at all these places. I knew I wanted to like be a reporter and producer in some respect. But I was just kind of like, I don't want to bust my ass and like accidentally say a player's name wrong and then just be considered not credible to like all these people at home watching on their couch. And I just want to say, if you want to be a sideline reporter or you want to work in sports or you currently work in sports, obviously do that. That is incredible and amazing. It was just this moment internally that I had and I knew there was other things out there that I wanted to cover like entertainment. And I didn't want to move to like a small market like all these broadcast journalism majors tell you to do in college, like move to Waco, Texas and cover fires and murders. I think that's awesome for people who want to do that. It just wasn't something that I wanted to do. I didn't want to move to a small market. So basically, right before I graduate, my parents are like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, you were going to go into sports. Like, you did all these internships. And I was like, yeah, well, guess what, mom and dad? I want to move to L.A. And that's what I want to do. So I said, fuck it. And I went on this website called internsushi.com. I don't know if it exists anymore. And I found this listing for an internship at the Ellen DeGeneres show. And my parents have never really helped me out ever. They never really had the money. I kind of like took out loans for college. So I've really paid my way through life on my own. So in my head, I was like, I just need to find a paying job or internship or something small in LA so that I can live there on my own. And so I end up applying for this internship with the Ellen show. I Skype with them and I end up getting it. And I was like, yes, okay, I can move to LA. And my mom had this family friend. She's kind of like a relative, kind of like a family friend. You know how like we all have those. It's like, 
you don't even know what they are. Like you just grow up with like this one woman coming to your house all the time. You don't know if she's like an aunt. I mean, this is basically like a Latin thing maybe. <laughs> but my mom had this family friend, kind of sort of auntish that I had. And she had a son. And I slept in her son's toy room on an air mattress for four months because she lived out here in LA so that I could go intern at the Ellen Show. And I started my internship at the Ellen DeGeneres Show And I basically busted my ass because I was like, I need to make sure that they know that I'm a hard worker and that, and basically I wanted them to hire me because I was like, if they hire me, then I don't have to worry about finding another job and I don't have to worry about potentially moving back home. So within three weeks, you guys, and I really, really want to stress it. Like you just have to be the hardest working person in the room. And granted, I also want to mention that I took an internship out of college after I had done all these internships and I busted my ass and I could have gotten a real job out of college. Um, I think it's important to share that because so many people that are in college are like, what real job am I going to get? Like, I just have this degree. I better make sure I get something good. And I remember the overwhelming amount of stress that I felt before graduating that I had to land something successful. And if you're in college or in high school and you're going to college, I just want you guys to know, just like take a deep breath. Like you're going to get a job eventually. It doesn't have to be the day after you graduate. And it also doesn't have to be an amazing job. And guess what? It could be a fucking internship because I took an internship out of college. Like maybe let go of your ego a little bit because that honestly is one of the best ways to get in a big company or a big show that you want to work for. Um, I was lucky because mine was paid. I made $9 an hour. It wasn't a lot of money. But anyway, so I work at the Ellen Show and they end up hiring me after a couple of weeks because I was working really hard. And I, I made sure I made it known that everyone knew that I was like out of college and I wanted to live and stay in L.A. And working on The Ellen Show was awesome. I mean, I learned how basically how a talk show works. And Ellen was really cool. And the show is just... I mean, it's one of the number one daytime talk shows ever. So it really was a dream to work on the Warner Brothers lot. But I did not want to lose sight of what I always wanted to do. And I forgot to tell you guys this. (laughs) When I was in college, right before I graduated, I was watching True Hollywood Story in my dorm. And I saw Juliana Rancic's True Hollywood Story. And in my head, I was like, okay, that's what I want to do. I want to be the next Juliana Rancic and I want to work in entertainment. So yes, I got the job at Ellen and they hired me. So I was happy because I could stay in LA. But I think it's also important to know that I never really lost sight of what I always wanted to do. So on my lunch break at Ellen one day, I drove to E!, And I went inside to reception and I asked them where HR was and they told me where HR was. And I basically handed someone in HR my resume, literally that easy, that crazy. And I think that's also important for you to know that you can just kind of go anywhere you want to go. And I didn't have the resources that we have now. Like now you can slide in an executive producer's DM. You could slide in like the director of Star Wars's DM if you wanted. Like people are so accessible um, and they weren't that accessible back then. Like you can even tweet someone if you want to work for them. So I think it's important for all you guys to use your resources. So I drove to E, I handed them my resume and three and a half months into Ellen, I got a call from someone at NBC Universal who owns E and they basically told me that they were looking for a production assistant for a three month gig with the E live from the red carpet team. Eli from the red carpet is where Ryan Seacrest and Juliana Rancic basically work um, on the Grammys, the Oscars, the SAGs, and the Golden Globes. So I was scared shitless, but like I said, I didn't want to lose sight of what I always wanted to do. I think it's really important to risk it all. I left the Ellen DeGeneres show a permanent job at the number one daytime talk show to go work at E for three months. 
So I leave the Ellen show. It was the hardest decision ever of my life at the time. And I work at E for three months and it was incredible. I was right next to Ryan Seacrest at the Golden Globes in 2013 and yeah, I worked at the Grammys. I worked the Oscars. I like met Juliana. It was like the coolest thing ever because I was so close to basically what I've always wanted to do. And um, yeah, and then I worked the Oscars. And of course, the day after the Oscars, I was unemployed and I didn't have a job. And it was an amazing experience, but I was freaking out because E didn't have a permanent job for me. They were just hiring freelancers for the E Live from the Red Carpet Show. So I start freaking out and I'm like, fuck my life. I'm going to have to move home. I remember crying a lot. I remember having a lot of anxiety. And one day I was reading GQ magazine because I love fashion. I don't know if you guys know that about me. Um, I was reading GQ and I was reading about this designer named War Air Boswell. Craziest name ever. W-A-R-A-I-R-E Boswell. And the article was about this designer Warrior Boswell that lived downtown LA who was making custom suits for NBA players. NBA players are so tall and they're so large that they can't just walk into Givenchy and Louis Vuitton and basically buy a suit. So this guy was designing clothes for them to wear that was like super high end. So I end up seeing this article in GQ and I call the guy up because he was in LA and I was like, hi, this is so stupid and weird and random, but my name's Naz and I love fashion and I love sports and I'd love to interview you. And he was like, yeah, of course, come on by. So I had a friend that lived in LA that had a camera and him and I go and I ended up interviewing War Air Boswell about all the NBA players um, that he's dressed and just the whole world of fashion and sports and everywhere intersects. It was basically like these two things that I was obsessed with and I was trying to put them together to create like this perfect marriage of like these two worlds that I really, really loved. So I ended up interviewing War Air Boswell and then I was like, what do, I, what do I do with this interview? Like I have this video and I decided to start a website. And so I bought a domain called sidelinestyles.com and I would cover the fashion side of sports because a lot of people weren't doing that. And I think it's important also like when you think of what you want to do or how can I be different? It's so important to stand out. And I remember in college, everyone's like, find your niche, find your niche. I was like so fucking annoyed with that word. But essentially, I kind of found my niche because people weren't really covering the fashion side of sports. Complex.com was kind of doing it, but they were doing it with sneakers mainly. And there were only two other websites covering what the players were wearing. And I could tell you how many rebounds DeAndre Jordan got in last night's game. But I could also tell you he's one of the first athletes that Burberry ever dressed. So I start this website I start covering the fashion side of sports. And then I start noticing that all these like big athletes start following me on Twitter, like Dwayne Wade, Victor Cruz. And they were like reading what I was writing because no one was really asking them about their outfits. And so I end up becoming a part of this like sports fashion culture. But of course, I still needed a job. I was unemployed. And eventually I got a call from E that they were looking for a production assistant in drum roll. Guess what? Their true Hollywood story department. And I was like, no fucking way. This is amazing. So I end up going to work at E. And for two years, I worked in the true Hollywood story department. And I worked my way up um, from being a production assistant to being an associate producer to just being a producer. And I basically learned how to tell a story because True Hollywood Story, if you've never heard of it, is basically like a docuseries back in the day that happened on E! where we would profile different celebrities' lives and how they got to be where they were. So it was really cool. I like learned how to interview people and I learned how to tell a story. 
And it was awesome. And while I was working at True Hollywood Story, I got a call one day from the Style Network. And this woman at the Style Network, who I had taken a hosting class back in LA, and she had met me there, like I think the year before, found my website, sidelinestyles.com. And she's like, hey, I need a girl that knows athletes, but that knows fashion to cover the ESPYs for us for the Style Network. And I get off the phone and I start shaking you guys because I'm literally freaking out. I'm like, holy shit, it's it's 2013. I'm 23 years old. I don't have an agent. And I'm like on top of the world. I'm like, I fucking did it. Like, I can't believe I booked this gig to cover the red carpet at the ESPYs and talk about fashion. This is basically my niche. Like, I am the new sports fashion expert. My name's Az Perez. Like, hear me roar. This is my thing. So obviously, I was like freaking out, so scared. I covered the carpet. I studied my ass off for like days and I nail it. And how crazy is this? War Air Boswell dressed a lot of the people on the carpet. And so I was able to get a lot of great interviews. And I like met LeBron James, the stylist. And like, basically the point of me telling you this is like things will happen in your life for a reason. Like I truly 100% believe that. And so I cover the ESPYs for the Style Network and they're like, we love you. You're going to be a part of this new digital platform we're starting called Style News because everything was going digital and on the internet at that time. And I'm like freaking out. I'm like, I fucking made it. Like I fucking did this shit. And guess what? Three weeks later, the style network gets canceled. The entire fucking network gets canceled. And I'm basically back to square zero. Like I was working at True Hollywood Story. I was so upset. Um, And I think it's important to remember that like that's going to happen a lot in life too. Like you're going to get things and you're going to think that something's going to happen and then it's not. And that's okay because it's all going to be a part of your story just like it's a part of mine. So Style Network gets fucking canned. I'm working at True Hollywood Story and E! was kind of like, I feel like a lot of people weren't watching E! at the time. Like there wasn't a lot happening in the Kardashians' lives. And eventually we come to the end of 2014 and the entire True Hollywood Story department gets laid off. And I'm like hysterical crying because I'm like, what the fuck am I going to do? Like I need, and basically I haven't said this yet, but I wanted to be on camera. Like you guys know, I majored in broadcast journalism, but I kind of was going in the production route because I felt like that was the easiest way. Like it was like, I was like, well, I'm close to the camera and I can learn how things work. And I really truly wanted to produce too, but it was kind of a bummer because at this point I had been in LA like two years. I hadn't really done anything on camera aside from the SB thing, but Unfortunately for me, I didn't really have money to pay rent unless I was working. So in my head, I was like, okay, well, I need to get a job in reality TV because there's a shit ton of reality TV shows. And if I learn how to work on a reality show, then I'll always have a job because there's so many reality shows going on in LA. So I start thinking of what reality shows I want to work for. And the only one I ever really watched was The Bachelor. Why? Because I had never had a boyfriend, still haven't had one till this day. You guys know that. And I've always been fascinated by the concept of love, like love, just, I don't know. I love rom-coms, how people fall in love, why people fall in love, how it motivates people to do certain things, like move across the country or root for a certain sports team. It's just so fascinating. I, I truly feel like love is the closest thing to magic that we have in life. So <laughs> as corny as it sounds, and I love to travel, I was like, I got to get a job on The Bachelor. So this is where things get interesting because everyone always wants to know, how did you get your job on The Bachelor? So when I was in college in Orlando, I worked one gig for this Miami film company. 
and it was a Zumba convention. If you guys don't know what Zumba is, Zumba is like this like dance workout. I mean, you guys fucking know what Zumba is. So I worked this Zumba convention that was going down in Orlando and I make friends with this camera guy and this camera guy ended up moving to LA the same time I did right after college. And, um, his name's Condi. He's always been my friend. And we weren't, we actually only saw each other in LA like once. And I remember when I got laid off from E, he like wanted to get lunch. And in my head, I was like, uh, everyone always wants to get lunch. Everyone always wants to know how they can get a job somewhere. And I think it's, a, I think it's also important to remember that you should keep in contact with a lot of people. Cause I end up getting lunch with the, with Condi. And he's like, well, what's going on? I'm like, I don't know. I don't really have a job anymore. Like, I need a job. I really want to work on The Bachelor. And he was like, well, I live in the same building as the line producer from The Bachelor. I was like, no way. I was like, can you, like, help me get drinks with him, set up a meeting? So I ended up getting drinks with the line producer, and him and I hit it off. He was really awesome, and we bonded over sports. And he was like, all right, I'll get you a meeting with the executive producer. So he gets me a meeting with a man named Pete Scalatar, who is one of my mentors and I consider like a father figure in life. And I end up meeting with Pete and I was like, listen, I've never worked on a reality show ever. Um, I love the show. These are all the ideas I have to work on the show. Um, these are all the reasons why I love the show. And I would really love if you would just give me a chance. And I think when you go into interviews... You should always, like, even if you're not qualified for a certain job, you should never say, you should never just say, like, yeah, I don't know that. You should, like, always phrase things like, well, what I lack in this department of knowledge, I can make up for with this. And that's basically what I've done in, like, every interview ever because I was like, listen, like, I don't have experience, but I promise you, like, I am a huge fan and I feel like I could contribute in this way. And, you know, I'm cool as fuck. I'm a millennial. Like, you need me, dude, which is also how you should go into and drop interviews. <laughs> so Pete and I end up hitting it off. And a week later, Pete um, brings me in. I meet with other executive producers like Lon. And I had a friend, a mutual friend with Lon, which helped as well. So basically it sucks, but nepotism really helps you out. And nepotism is basically like getting something because you know someone. And just keep in mind, I didn't really know these people. I think the more you work, the more you'll meet people and you'll network. And things will just work out that way. Life is weird that way. So they end up hiring me on The Bachelor. They took a chance on me. And I ended up producing five seasons of the show of Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise. And then before I left, I produced to spinoff shows. And working on The Bachelor was a fucking dream come true. You're traveling around the world. I mean, I was in Argentina. I was in Thailand. I was in Ireland. And I just got to travel and ask people questions about love and heartbreak. And it truly, truly was a dream. Um, I learned so much about myself, learned so much about becoming a producer, got so much good experience. But eventually there came a point where I was like, well, I don't, really want to be executive producer of the show one day and I still really want to be on camera. So what am I doing if I stay here, you know? And because you're traveling all the time, I wasn't really able to date in LA and I wasn't really able to like see my friends. So you're getting like amazing ex- life experiences, but I also felt like I was missing out on a lot and you know, when it comes down to it, I was interviewing people about love, but I was like I got to I got to go find love myself, you know? So after five seasons, um, another very hard decision, another very big risk because I was making very, very good money um, working on that show for someone of my age. 
I decided to leave and it was extremely, extremely hard. But I felt like if I never left, I would always regret never having, never having tried like becoming a host or doing anything on camera. That's like what I really wanted to do. And now I had all this ammunition. I had the skill set of like what it takes, you know, to make a show or do anything behind the camera. So I felt like that would only help further me for a career in front of the camera. So I told, you know, everyone on the show and I tell everyone that asked me this, I'm like, I left a dream job for the dream job. So I leave the show and um, I basically expressed that I wanted to be able to like be at home in LA and go on auditions because unfortunately work, you can't really do side things when you work on a big show like that because you're traveling so much. So I said that and um, I am forever grateful to the people that work on that show because I was able to live in LA and I no longer worked on like the big shows anymore, but I worked on the show with Ben and Lauren on Freeform and the twins on Freeform and got really close with them, um, which was amazing. And I basically left the show. And so after leaving the show in 2016, I end up meeting a guy and it was weird because that's kind of why I wanted to leave the show. A part of the reason, not the whole reason, but I wanted to date. And you guys kind of know this story. I fell in love with this person and he totally broke my heart after six months. And within that time span of me not working on the show, I was unemployed. And I think partially the reason why it also didn't work out was because I was at home, like next to my phone, waiting for a text every day. I was unemployed. And I never really realized like how much having a job was helpful to my sanity. I think it's like really hard to be at home with yourself and your thoughts all the time. And I think I truly was relying on this one person for my happiness, which was not good. Um, I don't think it was completely my fault, but I think that was like a little bit part of it. While this is going on, Ashley, obviously you guys know how I met Ashley. I met her on Bachelor in Paradise. I was her producer and Ashley wanted to host. And so Ashley approached me about like doing a podcast. Um, Around the same time was the time that my neighbor, who I hadn't really met, who I only really met in passing, knocked on my door and she was the inspiration behind Heartbroken Anonymous. And I've shared that story on the podcast before. So all these crazy things were happening while I like didn't really have a job. And I want to also stress that your dream is going to change. Because if you guys remember 28 minutes ago (laughs) or 20 something minutes ago, I told you that I wanted to be a sports reporter. And like within all these years, like all this crazy stuff happened. And then here I was unemployed with my friend Ashley And she was like, let's start a podcast. And we were thinking about things to call it. And I was like, let's call it I Don't Get It. Because we're always in the car and we're always saying like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. (laughs) So maybe we can, you know, talk about things we don't get. And then Ashley was like, well, what should our first episode be about? And then we came up with the idea to talk about the fact that we had never had a boyfriend. So we record this podcast and we just see what happens and we talk about how we've never had a boyfriend and the I Don't Get It podcast ends up being number 11 on iTunes that day. And I mean, you guys know it's all thanks to you because you listen, but I share this with you because never in my wildest dreams did I ever think my shitty love life would be a part of my brand and who I am and would be so relatable. And I think it's important to think about like what you go through and what you experience that experience that is relatable to you and how you can put that into work as to like who you are and what your brand is. Because at the same time, I started Heartbroken Anonymous and I'm just like, how in the fuck did my shitty love life become a part of like so many things that I do? But it is who I am. 
Um, also around this time, so I'm starting Heartbroken Anonymous. Ashley and I are doing the podcast. I had to leave the podcast for a little because um, the last thing I did with Bachelor was the twin show. Um, so I just didn't have time to do it. And so then I get back. We're doing the podcast. I start Heartbroken Anonymous. And then I have an audition with the Dodgers. And um, I heard that the Dodgers needed someone. So I basically... Got in with them, called them a bunch of times, was extremely persistent, got an audition with them. And just so you know, baseball is not my forte. Like basketball was way more of my my sport um, that I was an expert on. But um, I went in and I studied and I got books from Barnes and Noble. And I think like, like I said, like you just have to outwork everyone. And I truly feel like I could outwork almost anyone. And you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. You just have to work the hardest. And I'm so grateful to the Dodgers because they took a chance on me and I nailed the audition and they hired me. And I knew that if I had that job, even though it was just a couple of times a month for not a lot of money. And by the way, I make so much less money than I did working on The Bachelor. And that was a a big sacrifice that I made because I have to pay for everything on my own. But I think it's important to be happy in life. And I was happy working on the show, but I'm happier now pursuing what I've always wanted to do. I think this is like my happiest that I've been. Um, And so basically I knew if I got this job with the Dodgers that that was like a big enough name that would help me land other hosting jobs. And then again, through nepotism, how crazy is this? The same woman that hired me at the Ellen DeGeneres show, my first job in LA, worked at Clever. And she told me that they needed a producer for something. So I ended up going to Clever, producing something for a couple of weeks, and then eventually told them I wanted a host and audition there. And then I got that. And then get this. Before I got heartbroken in 2016, when I left The Bachelor, I ended up going to this audition for Fandango. And I remember walking in the room and there were so many people that looked just like me in that lobby. It literally was like the scene out of a movie. And I was like, God, how cool would it be to like interview people um, and do movie junkets? Because I love movies and I just thought it'd be the coolest thing to interview people that are in movies. And I was just myself. I think it's so important to just be your fucking self, dude. Like, don't try and be anyone else. Don't just don't don't try and dress like anyone else. Like literally do whatever you want. Be who you are because that's what will stand out. And that's what people want because everyone's out there just trying to be someone else. And it's so fucking lame. Um, Anyway, so I remember leaving there and I was like, oh, my God, they'll never fucking call me. Well, guess what? A year later, which is also a lesson to learn because I'm extremely impatient and I want things to happen right away. And I was barely making money because my only job was working for the Dodgers. And I started Heartbroken Anonymous and that was like all out of my own pocket um, I get a call from Fandango and this is like super recent, you guys, like a couple months ago. So it was more than a year. Actually, I'm sorry. The audition was last year and then they called me this year. Um, so you just never fucking know. And I just came back from Comic-Con working for Fandango, which was like a dream come true. So between the Dodgers and Fandango and the I Don't Get It podcast and Clever and Heartbroken Anonymous, that's basically where I spent all my time. And I'm nowhere near where I want to be. And it's been a year since I left The Bachelor almost. Um, But when I look back and think about all the stuff that I accomplished, and if I would have never left the show, I would have never been able to do the things that I've done in the past year. And even though I'm not making a lot of money, like that's a scary thought, you know, to think that if I had just stayed in one spot, if I just stayed at the Ellen show and never left to work at E and I just stayed at E and if I never made that website and tried to be different, I would have never got a call from the style network. And 
if I never got laid off at E, which was like the worst moment of my life where I was crying and I was like, I built all these connections at E and I have to leave. I would have never worked on ABC's The Fucking Bachelor. Never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I'd work on a show like that. And again, I I probably could have stayed there like many people do um, because they're too scared to leave. And if I never would have left there, I would have never, I would never be talking to you right now, which is crazy. And I don't know where I want to go from here. A part of me still wants to work at E, but I think it's important to realize that your dream is going to change. So whatever your dream is today, it's most likely probably going to change. And a lot of shit's going to fall through and that's fucking okay because a bigger, better door is going to open and you won't know it in the moment, but it will. And I think you just got to be hard and outwork everyone. And if your parents are telling you like, don't do this or your friends don't believe in you, you got to believe in yourself because you're the only person you have. And if there's any two words that I can tell you to give you any advice in life, it would be fuck it. Just fucking go for it. I don't this podcast is brought to you by Wave Podcast Network. Check out all of our shows, including the Brain Candy Podcast, I Don't Get It, Babes and Babies, Coffee Convos, and Let's Talk About It.